You're listening to the Rural Advancement Podcast. Rural Advancement provides resources to empower, equip, and encourage rural pastors and churches. Join our community by visiting us at ruraladvancement.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rural Advancement. This is the podcast that is by rural leaders and for rural leaders. It is our hope every single week, week in and week out, to bring you content that is not just spoken to the rural church, but is spoken by people who get it, people who live, work, and minister in small, out-of-the-way places, and who understand how much God values the work we do in these small, out-of-the-way places. I am your host, Joe Epley, and today we get a chance to interview Pastor Jeff Blizzard. He's coming to us from Texas. And as I had a conversation with him, I was really excited to hear about kind of his journey in bringing a church to a place of health. And so as we tune in today, we're going to hear some of those principles. And I really got to start to hear his heart for what it means to cast a clear vision at the local church level. And so I'm just so excited for this interview, and I think you're going to get a lot out of it. Uh, But the first thing I want to do is just introduce him. So Pastor Jeff, how are you doing, sir? I'm good, Joe. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. I'm just excited for the conversation. I don't know how the uh, heat and humidity is in Texas, but we're doing good in Montana. It's about 70 degrees, just a nice day. Yes, very hot here, uh, very dry and and uh, very hot. But anyways, uh, just so glad to be with you and on the podcast today and to just share some of my heart with you today. And so I'm really excited to be with you today. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear it. Well, hey, the first thing we like to do with any of our guests is just to walk back through your own story. I mean, we obviously uh, make it a point to tell people that, hey, the, the people we bring on this podcast are those who have been shaped by and worked with the Royal Church. And so why don't you describe kind of your ministry journey? And, you know, while you're doing that, highlight your connection to the Royal Church for us. Okay. Uh, so let me just start off with, uh, I started out actually as a youth pastor in a very small community and in a rural community. And at uh, 15 and a half years old, um, I preached my very first sermon. From that point on, I uh, pretty much uh, helped revivals, did um, things in the church, uh, started to become youth pastor. And uh, basically, uh, the Lord has always placed me in smaller cities or rural communities, and which is a blessing, but it's a lot of work. And when you pastor in a rural community, uh, you definitely pastor the community, not just your church. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And so let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, maybe your current context, you know, so, so you started when you were 15 and, and, uh, you know, I'm assuming our, our listeners can't see you, but I'm assuming you're older than 30. And so I'm, you know, assuming that maybe you, you've been around a while. So what has your most recent assignment been like? How long you've been at the church that you're at? What's the town like where you're at? Why don't you give us a clue on that? Okay. So I pastor in Silsby, Texas, and it's, uh, actually the largest, um, community I've ever pastored in, and it's with six thousand people. Wow! Yep. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, six thousand. So we six thousand people and probably about uh, thirty five churches. Uh, we um, we've been here six years and uh, making a lot of headway for the kingdom, and just really ex- excited about uh, being in Silsby, Texas. And the, my church is New Covenant Assembly God Church. Cool. Well, that's exciting to hear. And. Uh... And looking back, I mean, you know, can you name some of the other towns or contexts or how long you were in those places? Absolutely. So my first pastorate uh, was in Southern California, and uh, I actually was youth pastor in a larger city and was asked to open up a church that had been closed down. So we went into a community of about maybe 1,200 people and from scratch. I mean, it was just nobody there. 
and my wife and uh, myself, uh, my four-year-old daughter, all went in there with uh, great expectations of seeing the hand of God move. It was a kind of a, an area that uh, they didn't want a church in. They would do things on, on the walls, write bad graffiti on the walls and stuff on, wow. sun, on, on Saturday nights. So Sunday mornings, I'd had, have to have a painting crew there every Sunday to paint the church to be ready for, for service. But uh, we were there for three and a half years. In the course of the three and a half years, um, things changed and the community accepted us. We accepted the, the community and we grew a church there. Awesome. And so then after that, where'd you go? I went to a small community uh, of 600. Nice. Spent, spent 24 years at Pastorate there. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we started with about 12 people. When I left the church there, I uh, was running approximately 300 people. And nice. um, it was just a time for refreshing for me personally, for my family. And I thought that would be the church I would would retire from, but God really moved in such a way. We built two sanctuaries under my ministry there and just really um, had a, a really great ministry there. And uh, one key that I've done in each place, even the current place, is worked on missions giving. And we'll talk about that, I believe, a little bit. Oh, sure. But yep. really, it will change the whole atmosphere of the church in, in my viewpoint. Honestly, yeah, and that's awesome. I uh, I'm excited to dive into that, and I love hearing your story. You know, I mean, it's it's one thing to say, you know, again, we're going to talk about things like church health and whatever, and it's easy to say, but to to watch you step into a situation like you described in Southern California, or stepping into a church of twelve, you know, in a town of six hundred. I mean, these are these are real opportunities to say, hey, when the rubber meets the road, what are we going to do to help grow the kingdom of God? And so so let's dive into that area you just mentioned. Uh, so you, I know that. Uh, one thing I noticed is is as you shared your story of where you'd been and what you'd done, that missions giving tended to be one of the first areas that you tackled, whether it was just, you know, you, you looked at it and said, hey, here's what this says about our church and here's where we need to take it. And so how important do you think missions giving is to the, uh, to the you know, kind of overall health of the church? Why don't you walk us through that? Okay. Uh, let's go back to my very first pastorate, if, we, if you don't mind. Yeah, and, let's uh, go. So, so, so like I said, we were... Um, uh, we started the church, probably maybe 12 people came with me when we, when we started the church sure. and it was a struggle. It was really just a struggle to, to get into the community and to, uh, really let people like us and us like them or love one another. If you, if you understand what I'm saying, mm-hmm. but it was really a, stref- a, a, a tough time. So my salary in 1994 was $35 a week. And, um, nice. yeah, exactly. Raising a married and raising my first child. Okay. And yeah. so diapers and formula was more than $35 a week. Yeah, that's and true. so, um, we lived on our savings and of course God never fails you, you know, we, sure. we've always sought God to, to do great things in our lives and, and he, he just never fails. So I went to my board and I said, look, we've got to do something here. Finances are not very well in the church. And I had a good friend of mine that that was a missionary and, and served in um, uh, high offices that, that got in my heart said, hey, listen, missions giving is the way to go and just really got that into my heart. And so whenever um, I looked at my board and I said, look, we need to start uh, supporting missions. And my board looked at me and said, Pastor, we only pay you $35 a week. How can we <laughs> support missions? And I Valid said, point, we, you know, absolutely. And I said, well, we serve the God of impossible. So we started missions giving 
four times more than what I was making. Wow. And um, and then we just seen the hand of God move and how, how God just um, his his presence just entered the place and the church began to grow. Finances started to, to come up. And so we were there three and a half years, left the church in a lot better shape than we, uh, when we uh, started the church. And we went to Saratoga with a, with the attendance of 12. I guess 12 yep, was my yep. number until I got to. Good, I mean, Jesus covenant. likes it. Jesus, like, it works out. <laughs> you know, it works out. It's hey, very absolutely. biblical of you. It's very biblical. <laughs> and so so we started with the small group there as well. And they did give some to missions. Uh, their their finances, finances was okay for 1994. But uh, I was at a district council. Uh, Holy Spirit spoke to me about stretching that church and in missions giving. We tripled our missions giving that year. And that church just began to flourish. And it's not only financially, but we've seen... Um, uh, the hand of God numerically and spiritually. And that's where we're at. I want to see things happen spiritually for the kingdom of God. Sure. And so as we, as we really stretched out um, in, in that, I continued to stretch my people. God just continued to bless. And uh, we started to see uh, growth in the church. I was there 24 years, but it took 15 years. So I'd say to, to any pastor in the rural community, don't give up. Mm. It takes time. I was there 24 years, but 15 years until we really seen God move in the manifested presence of the Lord. Um, we had uh, 50 salvations in one year in a, a wow. community of 600. And myself and my wife discipled each one of, of the new converts and really got them connected to the church and really started to show how to uh, be part of the family of God. And the Lord just blessed it. So we built two sanctuaries there, not us, help of the Lord and, and just sure. following the vision of the Lord. It was just uh, also, I believe, a lot was stretching in missions. And then yeah. my, my, my current pastorate um, was a, a very established church, um, had a very good core group of leaders here, um, about 90 people when I came to the church here. And, and, and we are 600, I mean, 6,000 strong here, uh, but they were lacking in missions giving. So first thing I did was I called general counsel and I said, who do we have commitment to? And when is the last time that we have supported? And it was about three or four years, close to five, maybe that they really had not supported. I went to my board and I said, look, we really need to do this. They got on board. And I can just tell you that it has just been a blessing completely here at New Covenant. And I'm stretching them even more. This is our sixth year in here. And I have stretched every department to, to reach out in missions and giving three or 4,000. I'm looking to do probably 35,000 more in missions this year than we did last year. Man, that's awesome. And, and you know, help me and help our listeners. You know, why do you think, because obviously... You've just described to me two things. One is that a call was made from you as the pastor to say, hey, let's increase, let's stretch in missions giving. And then it would be followed by church growth. But why Why do you think that is? Like, what does it do in our hearts when we're forced to kind of look into missions giving that that paves the way for that kind of growth? Like, again, what what is so, so important about it? Like, why does it do that, you know? Could I answer with saying, I believe it's the heart of God? Yeah, that's fair. That's a good good statement, for sure. <laughs> you know, uh, going to all the world and preach the gospel, correct? Yeah. But um, I, I believe that, you know, it really is. It's it's something. And, and missions isn't always on foreign ground. 
we do yeah, a lot sure. of, of, of mission outreach and and uh, different things here within our community, too. And, you know, when we talk about missions, first thing we're talking about is foreign soil. And yes, we support tremendous. Sure, in sure, that. sure, sure, sure. I really just believe it's the heart of God. And when people grab that vision that God would really want us to just really give. And when I talk about mission, we're talking about above tithe and offerings. Right, but, right, right. Not just supporting the local body. Yeah. Yeah. But I will tell you, in all three of my pastorates, when we stretched ourselves in missions, our tithe and offerings uh, increased tremendously. Uh, here at this church here, even with COVID, we have broken every um, um, year on finances here at New Covenant Church. And I really believe it's because we've, we've reached down, dug deep, got the vision, started supporting and really trusting God. It's really a trust, a, a trusting if, if you know, if I might say it, because you really yeah. have to trust the Lord. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I had to trust the Lord at my first pastorate to say, Hey, let's do more than $35 a week. Right. Right. No. And that's powerful stuff. I love what you said, because if a church is going to be healthy to reconnect with the heart of God, to learn how to trust God in the sacrificial area, of course, of course, that paves the way for just incredible growth. So thank you for for letting me dive deep on that, because I, I don't want people to miss just how important it is and how how much it can bring to kind of, yeah, the tone of a congregation and, and really, again, um, inspire future growth. Well, hey, let's talk about another kind of cultural uh, kind of cornerstone here, right? Because if a church is going to be healthy long term, Part of that is to have a healthy board, a healthy board of deacons, a healthy board of people who's going to guide. Because obviously, uh, if you've been pastoring for any number of years, you have heard the stories, right? The fistfights behind the church, the screaming matches, the icing out and the boxing out of different people and how the personalities, especially in a small church. I mean, I, I think of my own experience. The last the last pastor I, I had was as a youth pastor, but our church board had multiple people uh, who were related. You know what I'm saying? You had a couple big families in the church with sometimes multiple generations all on the same board. And so it creates these interesting dynamics. So what do you think would be the key? Uh, because I know it was something that you you and I had asked you about and you had said, you know, you'd kind of been able to establish it. Uh, but how do you set good culture for a board of deacons? Like what are some of those key ingredients to making healthy leadership at a local church? Sure. Um First, I believe the pastor really needs to lead, but we leave, we lead in love first and foremost. And I, I've been blessed and, and I don't know if it's my leadership skills or God just blessed me, but uh, the three pastorates that I've had, I've had really great boards and I thank God for that. And we can um, get a hold of the vision together um, as the board of the church and really press forth and to see the hand of God move and, and see the presence of the Lord just move in, in, in such a great way. Uh, one thing I establish um, at each church, at the three churches that I pastored, um, I am 59 years old, so I've been in pastoral ministry since I was 30. So uh, Party on. I've got a few years <laughs> behind me. So praise yeah. the Lord for that. <laughs> Amen. I, and I think I got a few more years ahead of me. Yeah, you got this. Uh, I mean, gosh, till the Lord returns, you know. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Uh, but what I really, something that the, the Holy Spirit had just placed in my heart in, in the area of leadership and leadership of the board was um, when I take a church um, or when I was, uh, came in as a pastor of a church, I set the board down. We talk. And I mean, it's not like a structure, you know, just casual visits sure, sure. and just, you know, um, starting to set some goals and guidelines. 
But here's something the Lord has always laid on my heart is that we never leave the, the boardroom, um, my office, the boardroom, mad at each other. Mm. And we don't always agree. Now, I'm telling you right now, everyone has a different personality. Everybody has a different viewpoint on issues and how we should handle things. But so early on in, in my pastorate, I always looked at the board and said, listen, the last thing we are going to do uh, when we conclude a, a board meeting is we're going to stand up, we're going to pray together, and we're going to hug each other's neck and say we love each other before we walk out of the boardroom. Wow. And that has just really been so uh, such a tremendous effect. And so, you know, I lead strong. And of course, I want my board to lead strong. And, and I don't want a board to just agree with everything pastor wants to do, because that's not healthy either, but to work through things. And, and so I believe to have a healthy board, you have to go into the attitude with the attitude is that, hey, I'm going to work through this situation, this circumstance, and we're going to ask and seek the hand of God, the face of God, and we're going to be able to, to overcome any obstacle. And I believe if we really, truly love one another and we really want to see the church to become healthy and strong, that um, you, when we hug each other and say, hey, we love one another, and we pray for one another, and we walk out of the boardroom, um, it really uh, impacts the, the life of the church and the health of the church. Yeah, I'm really um, challenged internally by what you said, because I think all too often, I mean, I, I don't think we could ask any pastor, hey, do you want a board that gets along well? Of course, everyone would say yes. No one's going to have a different answer. But if we say, hey, are you willing to put in that relational level of work? Uh, you know, to I mean, to to say we will not leave this room, you know, in a very literal sense until we are not, not agreeing, but at least friends and at least relationally connected and have worked through some of those issues. I mean, that's hard. You know, that is, that takes some, some, some dedication, some discipline. And so uh, I'm really challenged by that. And I love just the intentionality with which you set your culture. So, so let's move to personal things for your life. Obviously these are different skills, um, and, you know, or, or things that kind of come from, from different church leadership moments. But um, I noticed that when we talk, because because with everybody I interview, I usually find there's a time where someone's eyes just light up a little bit more, where the tone in their voice changes, and you can tell they're really passionate about something. And so what I want to talk about is um, the term vision casting, right? It's a skill that we are admonished to have as pastors. We are supposed to kind of cast a clear vision, lead it well. Uh, but when we started talking about it, I knew, I just knew, I was like, man, this guy gets it. This guy really like, this is a huge building block in his life and something the Lord has gifted him in. And so um, how important has vision casting been for you? And how can a pastor cast that fresh vision? Maybe walk us through, yeah, why does it matter? And then how do we create that if we're not necessarily feeling as confident? So here in my last, pat, I say my last pastor, because I plan sure. to retire here at New Covenant Church. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> the Lord has really dealt with me differently than in the first two pastorates. I always cast a vision, always had a, a vision. I feel like I've always been a visionary. And um, even in our second pastorate uh, was a small community a church that sat 90 people. There was a building sitting there that had sat there for 10 years and, and no construction to it. And, I, and the first thing I told my board there, I said, look, we got to finish this this um, this church because this is not a good testimony for the, wow. the community, for the community. And so um, we did finish it within our first fourteen months being there, and only borrowed twenty five thousand dollars. Praise the Lord! Not bad, not bad. Uh, but I, I'll never forget standing out in front of the out in front of the church. I had driven in from California, 
uh, to Saratoga, Texas, and standing out in front of the church in a small community across the street, looking at this building and saying, Lord, why in the world are you bringing me here? Yeah. And it's just like lights turned on. And, and it was just like, it, it's time to, to, to cast a vision. And so even before I even was pastor of the church, I envisioned finishing what they had started. I love okay? that. And, and so I, I'll say that I'm pretty much a, a visionary. So I would cast like a yearly vision um, in each of my first two pastorates. But God's done something different for me here at New Covenant. And so we have a, a, a motto here, love God, love people. And we do love God and we love people. Uh, but what the Lord um, really led on my heart, uh, our second year in as pastors here, is to cash, cast a annual vision. So every year we have a new vision statement. Oh, sure. And and that's different. A lot of churches don't do that, but this yeah, is where it's, it's a lot of fast rebranding is what it feels like or what it could feel like. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. And so this is where uh, the Lord has really placed on my heart here at New Covenant Church. And it really works. It has really been something great. And and so, you know, um, we can all go back to Proverbs 29 and 18. And it says where there's no vision, uh, people perish. And and it, it's true. I believe that the people really need to have something to look forward to, to cling to, to work towards. And that's kind of what we've been doing here at, uh, at New Covenant Church. So at the at beginning to middle of summer, I start seeking the Lord. Father, what do we have for um, this next year? And so by fall, I'm really getting to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you know, I really need to know what we're going to do in this upcoming year in vision casting. And so uh, usually by the fall, I'm, I'm pretty set as to where we're going to we're going to go. And um, in January of every year, I cast the vision. I mm. begin to train and to, to cast the vision as to where the Lord has brought us or where the Lord's going to take us into the next year. And so it's just really me seeking the Lord and asking the Holy Spirit to to help me and then really catching what the Holy Spirit lays on our heart to move forward for, for the following year. Awesome. Yeah. And just to pick out some of that, that you just said, like, um, cause I, I always try and think of terms like, what if this is like my worst area as a pastor, you know, like what if vision casting is just so far from, maybe I don't feel like I have the words or the, the drive, but some things in your conversation struck me as very universal, you know, uh, maybe I, I'm not always eloquent or put together or can kind of, you know, uh, get those words out, but um, when you said, hey, about halfway through the year, I begin to pray, seek God. And, and I think that any of us can lie before the Lord in a dedicated way and 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 give God the opportunity to speak. And I think what stands out to me most is you said, hey, I don't, this is not something I'm throwing together between Christmas and New Year's. This is something that is birthed in prayer, that is bathed in prayer. It's a six month process. It's really taken half your year to kind of watch this play out. And, uh, and anybody can do that. You know, any of us can pray and say, God, I'm so hungry to make sure I'm, I'm going the direction you want to go, that I want to make this a priority of time in my life. Man, that's really cool. Absolutely. Uh, can I, can I uh, go yeah. on a little bit more on, on vision yeah, go casting? For it. Okay. So, so after I get the clear vision from the Holy Spirit, um, the next step that I take is um, I bring my leadership in and I reveal it to my leadership team. Mm. See, the liter leadership team has to uh, be on board with it, but not only be on board with it, they have to own it as well as I own it. Yeah. 
So if they don't own it, then it's not going to go. It's not going to go any further. So I start with my board and and get my board on on task with it. And then I take my whole entire leadership team and say, hey, look, this is where we're going in 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 2023. Uh, so last year in 2023 was touch your heart and change your life was the, the mm. vision that the Lord Love gave that. me. And so um, they looked at me and said, touch your heart and change your life. Where are we going with this? And I encourage every member of my church, every church family here to mentor or discipleship one person this this year in 2023. And I really almost felt like it was that it had failed. Other ones have just really seemed like it's flourished. And here in this last um, uh, half of the year, I had so many come to me and say, Pastor Jeff, do you know what I'm doing this year? I said, no, you haven't. You haven't clued me in on what you're doing. He said, hey, I've started a Bible study online with 15 ladies every day. And, wow. and so I'm mentoring 15 ladies every day in the word of God. Touch your heart, wow. change your life. I love that. And, and then um, my worship leader, she, she came to me and she says, uh, Pastor, you really did me in this year. And I said, what do I do? She said, the person at the gym that I like the least, the Holy Spirit said, you're mentoring her. <laughs> I and love I it. Said, and what's happening? She says, I'm mentoring her and we are really growing a relationship. And so wow. so, so my first step is getting my board on, on task, everybody to own it. And then the next area that I do with vision casting is I clarify the vision to the entire church body. Mm. So um, uh, the vision becomes the language of the church. So how I do that is I'll take um, every Sunday in January and I will preach a, preach on the topic, um, whatever the Lord has laid on my heart. I'll do sure. training from the pulpit as to this is where we're going. This is where go- how we're going to go this this next year. And so it has to become the language of the church mm. for the year. If it doesn't become the language of the church, then we're going to miss out on it. And so we talk about it. We share it. We create T-shirts every year. Uh, uh, my wife is great at that. So every year I say, hey, this is where we're going. And so by December, I try to give her where we're going. She starts to create a, a T-shirt. So January, we have T-shirts for everybody oh, to nice. buy and to put on. And so it just really becomes the the language of the church. and. Um, and so, uh, and then with it becoming, like I said, I empower them by teaching and training on it. And then um, uh, I believe that everybody in the church, I said my board had to own it, my leadership had to own it, but every member of the church has to own it. And when they do in the ground hold, even though Pastor didn't think this year's vision was really working, I've had a dozen plus people come in the last month and say, Pastor, you know what I'm doing this year? And, and yeah. so God just really just moved minister in such a great way. And so then in July, I kind of come back with it and say, hey, look, we've got six more months, guys. Touch your heart, change your life. Let's do something great in that area. Awesome. Yeah. And I love that, that again, several practical things, you know, going through the measured steps to get people on board using pulpit time. I, I think sometimes we do, and rightfully so, you know, I think we, we as pastors want to you know, because I met some people who say, yeah, from the pulpit, I preach the word. That's what I do. And maybe they're doing, a, a you know, expository sermons where they're just walking through the Bible. And that's great. 
But as a pastor, if we're going to guide the flow of the church, sometimes your pulpit time needs to be, you know, and, and it's and it's not that it's less biblical, but it's just a different style. It's a different moment to preach a vision casting sermon versus just to preach, you know, like a topical one or an expository one. And so I uh, love that. And I also love the check-in. You know, I, I think some things die just because people refuse to keep them in front of people. And so to say in July, hey, let's make a push for the end of the year. Um, so that, that discipline and follow through, I think is really key. Well, hey, let's dive into one more thing real quick. Um, and so I just want to touch base with kind of your personal life, kind of a big theme picture here. Um, you mentioned that leading people into the presence of the Lord has kind of been a theme for your ministry. And I always like asking people this question, you know, what what is it that God has just brought you back to again and again and again? So what does that mean to you? You know, what's it kind of meant for your ministry? And then again, how does a pastor create that culture of, of leading people into the presence of the Lord in their church or personal life? Yes. Um, I, would, I I really feel that this is an area that the Lord has really placed on my heart is just to, that we really just get in his presence and let God just move and, and minister in such a, um, a beautiful way in our lives. I, I know that when we can really enter into the presence of the Lord, that it will change our whole entire environment in our life, not only our church, but everyday life. And, you know, the word says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things shall be added. And and so it's really about really seeking the Lord. I just uh, finished doing a series on Wednesday nights on uh, relating the makeshift ark of David's makeshift ark uh, um, uh, tabernacle uh, to 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 the church of this of, of, of today. And, oh, wow. and, and really one thing that really stood out to me in, in, in this teaching was, um, it was makeshift. There wasn't no veil of separation. And so they had the, uh, worshipers encircling the Ark of the Tabernacle, uh, the Ark, uh, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year for 38 years. They circled wow. that, that, um, uh, uh, the the um, the ark and and in that they just sang and they worshipped and they and they gave praise to the Lord and I really believe that is a key for us today to know that hey there's no separation we can yeah. enter into the enter into the presence of of the Lord and let God just move and let his his presence just in, embrace our life because I really believe that when we enter his presence and we really just uh, seek a space. Uh, every one of our needs are going to be met. I'm going to see my children, my grandchildren filled with the Holy Spirit, serving the Lord because of my dedication, my my life of, of, of sacrifice. You know, it is a sacrifice, you know, and, yeah. and it's more than just coming in on Sunday morning, singing our four or five worship songs and and walking away. Um, I've been I've been teaching and, and telling my church here at New Covenant. New Covenant is that if we would just do three easy principles every day, we could change the environment of our life. And here's the hmm. three simple prin- principles. Daily devotion. Yeah. Get along with the Lord. Just just be there with the Lord. Get along with the Lord. Way back when I was a youth pastor, uh, my teenagers uh, would say, Pastor Jeff, we don't have time to read the Bible. I said, yes, you need to read the Bible. No, Pastor Jeff, we don't have time. I said, look. Set your clock five minutes earlier, 
and do a QT. What's a QT? A quiet time. Open the Bible, let a scripture jump out with you, let the Holy Spirit speak to you, and then uh, apply that to your life daily. Within just about three months, my youth group came to me and said, Pastor Jeff, this is the most exciting time of our life. And the, the church where our youth pastor was a, the largest church I, I served on. We ended up having five Bible clubs in our in our city because of my wow. youth group reached out because they took a quiet time. Just that wow. little bit of devotional time with the Lord. Now, I'm telling pastors, we need more than five minutes, okay? I'm telling us this growing up, just really get have a devotion. So that's one simple, easy principle. The next principle is prayer. Talk to yeah. the Lord. And just daily spend some time in prayer. But I have found here in the last um, uh, few years of my life, when I'm praying, to be quiet and let the Lord speak back to me. See, prayer is not just, um, uh, it's not one-sided. You know, we ask the Lord, he already knows that and will grant the desires of our heart. But I think in our prayer time, we need to just get still before the Lord and the Lord begin to speak to us and start to encourage us. And as he's speaking to us, we will enter his presence. And, and then we're just, we're just right into the presence of the Lord. And then if we can worship daily, you know, we have great radio stations, uh, um, if people people don't use uh, uh, CDs or cassette tapes like I sure, use, sure. <laughs> but there's but great Spotify can, playlists, stuff to stream. You can do it, yeah, absolutely. So I try to walk about um, three miles every morning, and I put on my playlist. I'm starting worshiping the Lord. People may think I'm crazy in my neighborhood because I'm just caught away with the Lord, but worship will bring us into into the very presence of the Lord. And when we begin to, to worship the Lord, see what I have felt like um, in, in my ministry is that the Lord has just really um, spoke to my heart to just bring people in. And, and I, and I work with my worship team, my worship leader and say, look, just to do that extra step. My, my worship team here at new covenant in the last six years have grown so tremendously in leading us into the presence of the Lord. And it's just little simple things. It's just getting still before the Lord, you know, and just seeking his face. And then we know that it's going to just turn around for us and that our environment will change. And that's what I like about it, because he'll take care of every one of our needs. Yeah, man, I love that. I uh, I get mad sometimes at the things people say because they're not actually teaching me anything new. They're just reminding me how little I've done it. You know what I'm saying? Like these principles I'm sorry. like that where no, no, no. And I'm not like actually mad at you, but I'm just like, no, this is, it's so funny to me how we keep coming back and it's, and it's usually not, Hey, do we have the right puzzle pieces? It's just like, Hey, are you actually following through on creating this culture in your life? So that is some powerful admonishment. Um, I do want to say kind of, as we wrap up here, I just want to say, thanks, Pastor Jeff. This has just been a delightful conversation and I've been excited to glean from your wisdom. Thank you, Joe, for even um, considering and having me to, to to come on. You know, I pastors in a rural community sometimes feel like we are the underdogs in a lot of ways. You know, you know what I'm yeah, saying? I agree. Yeah. And and I, I I've been there myself in in my lifetime. Uh, I've I've given some key points, but I'm going to tell you, there's been a lot of low times in my life where I've had to just really get along with the Lord and just really seek his thing. Probably that's why he wants me in his presence, you know, to just really teach me because I really feel sometimes like in, in rural communities that we really feel like, Hey, we're not really accomplishing much for the kingdom. But I would just, as we close, I would just really like to just 
um, say to every pastor of a, of a small city, a rural community, I, I, I would just like to really just encourage you and s- encourage them and say, look, you're making a difference. Mm. And if you touch one heart, you will change a life. And we in the Saratoga church, there was an older man that lived across the street from me, didn't want anything to do across the street from our parsonage, didn't want anything to do with the church or with the Lord. But my four-year-old daughter stole his heart mm. and he had a stroke. And the first person he called was Pastor Jeff. Wow. And I was able to lead that older man to the kingdom, of, into the kingdom of God, into, into salvation. And, wow. and so I'm going to say to, to those that are in small cities, rural communities, you are making a difference. Lift your head up and let's just move forward to build the kingdom of God. Amen. Well, thank you for that encouragement, Pastor Jeff. Uh, for all of us at, uh, from all of us at Rural Advancement, we just want to say thank you so much for tuning in. I just uh, appreciate every single week being able to, again, not just speak to the rural church, but to uh, speak from a place of understanding where we're at. And so uh, we also encourage you, you know, we can find this podcast on Apple Podcast or Spotify, but the best way to do it is the most rural of fashions. If you know of another pastor who needs to hear some of these conversations about discipleship and church health and growth, um, reach out to them. Let them know like, hey, well, there's some voices speaking to this, and uh, and we hope to keep encouraging you week after week. So for this week, I've been your host, Joe Epley. He has been Pastor Jeff Blizzard, and we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.